Welcome to the Evolution CBS podcast, where we discuss all things mergers and acquisitions. If you're a company owner and you want to learn more about how to sell your business for a premium value, then this is the podcast for you. So delighted to have a further occasion, opportunity to speak with one of our partners in this series of podcasts where we're trying to look at the world of mergers and acquisitions. And today I'm absolutely delighted that we have Tom Coey with us, investment manager from Rockpool, uh, one of the UK's investment um, private equity firms that we worked with very successfully recently on the investment in European Raid Arrays, a client of ours that we'll also hear from at some point in time. But we've asked Tom to join us today to have a conversation around the world of mergers and acquisitions, but from the investment manager's perspective. So we're trying to look look at and understand what Rockpool do, what they look for, what Tom looks for in terms of looking for an investment target, a company he wants to invest in, and what they find and seek in the prospect they talk to. Thank you, Steve. Very nice to be here. Okay, so tell us a bit, first of all, Tom, if I can, around yourself, around Rockpool, uh, not necessarily about how we dealt with European Red Arrays, we'll come to that in a moment, but actually I'd like to hear, or I'd like our listeners to hear about you and Rockpool and why you're different, what it is that Rockpool looks for in an investment. Sure, yeah, so Rockpool Investments is a lower mid-market private equity firm that's based in London. Um, The business was set up in 2012 to invest in fast-growing, well-managed UK SMEs. So our business model essentially is to take our investors' capital and diversify it for them across a range of high-quality UK businesses. Um, We're a sector generalist investor. Um, We don't invest in extremely specific niches in technology and healthcare, but everything else we we do look at. Um, And the plan for us is to take our investors' capital, invest it in these decent businesses, help grow those businesses into mature companies that are um, welcomed by the mid-market when they come to come up for sale. Um, And we've had a lot of success doing it over the past 10 years or so. Um, We've now now deployed over £600 million across over 50 deals. um, And we're looking to deploy around £50 million each year across six or seven new transactions. And, and there's something stylistically I'd, I'd, wa- I'd want you to talk about in terms of how you do those things, because when we talk to people about private equity, what you sometimes get from clients that we're working with is a view th- that they've got in their minds around PE, around private equity, and what they do, and how, how they control you, and what they want to try to do. And my experience of Rockpool, that was not how you are in terms of the interaction you have with the investment source, with the with our client, when you work with, talk to me about that a little bit because that could be sure. really interesting. Yeah, I think I mean private equity's got a bit of a negative connotation, hasn't it, in the market? And that there's almost a an old fashioned view of the industry, which is the the Gordon Gecko style kind of asset stripper that come in, take costs out of businesses, and then and then flip very quickly. Um, in our experience of investing in this part of the market, it couldn't be further from the truth. And I think you know the the private equity market generally hasn't done a very good job of trying to reverse that reputation. Um, most of the businesses that we see are founder-owned companies that are taking institutional money for the first time. Um, those businesses are typically pretty lean already. Mm, yeah. There isn't a lot of fat to trim out of these companies. If anything, the opposite is true. Um, they've been devoid of investment for the two or three years leading up to sale. Mm. Um, we have to put capital and resource back into those businesses to help them grow. So the perception of the private equity market generally is that it's aggressive forms of capital with short-term interests. Um, I think 
investing in the smaller part of the UK market. That, that couldn't be further from the truth. No, and if I think back to the conversations we would have had early doors with our clients, we talk to our clients a lot about finding the right investment partner. Early doors in the process we're running, we don't talk about numbers. We're not talking about evaluation for the business. We're trying to find the right partner that our client can get comfortable working with and trust to help them on the next stage of the of the journey. And if I rem- remember our early conversations at our clients' offices, if I remember correctly, you asked lots of questions and listened lots. You didn't talk lots in terms of approach. Yeah, I suppose what, we, what we're looking for during that first meeting is vision from the founders that we're investing in. And, you know, all of the transactions that we are backing, there is some element of cash out or de-risking for those founders involved. But we want to understand why that business is different, why it exists, why it's got a specific niche that customers, um, that customers value ultimately so as you say in that first le- in that first session we you know we take the time to explain what we do but our role is to listen and understand what what the management team's vision is and you know we we take a decision on the back of that whether that's something that we can invest in no okay no that makes sense and it links into something you said earlier on that actually you're, you're working with business owners to move forward so if, again if i think of the particular client we were fortunate to work with you on you didn't buy all of that company did you it was important for you that for for, for sean and mark so our, our two clients that they remained on the journey with you yeah we always want skin in the game alongside us and i think you know it's that that is common in the private equity market where you're backing a management team that are staying with the business and ultimately going to be responsible for delivering the growth we're not looking to get operation involved in the companies that we invest mm. in you know we can provide support and guidance and help but we're not there day-to-day operating the business so it is important for us to make sure that those management team members have some skin in the game left so you know when times are tough people have got an opportunity to get up in the morning and come into work it it makes all the difference to have um that rollover capital still there um which ultimately is value creation and wealth creation for those individuals and we, we see quite often a good change in mindset where Founders and management teams have got to a point in their life where most of their personal wealth is tied up in the asset and, you know, it's natural to become a bit more risk averse in that situation. Mm-hmm. We see our role in that transaction is coming in, helping those founders to de-risk personally. Um, lots of people pay the mortgage off, put the kids through school, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but then go and take a bit more risk to go and grow the business okay. with our capital and with our guidance. Um, and hopefully that's a, it's a more interesting dynamic for those management teams to be part of. And that's important in terms of the what I saw in working with you and Toby and, and the team in terms of the collaboration with my clients. Because, again, if I think back to it, I, I can remember some, some quite intense sessions when you were gathering information about the business, about the opportunity, about our clients. And there was a... There was a degree of challenge in those sessions in terms of scratching at the business and what they'd been doing and trying to understand where that opportunity would work. So when you're searching in that situation, are there things specifically you, you look for or things that you want to avoid? We're looking for a niche, ultimately. Okay. Okay. And I think to, to have a business that's most attractive to a wide range of private equity and trade buyers when we come to want to sell the business ourselves in three to five years' time, there's got to be a reason, there's got to be a hook for those companies to come forward and want to acquire, acquire the asset. And in our experience of investing in this part of the market, the generalists don't really succeed mm. because 
the companies that you're trying to sell to, they've already got scale. Mm. You know, people aren't going to come and pay you a premium valuation for something just to add a bit more scale to their existing group. They, no. they want something that they don't have. It's difficult to build internally mm. um, access to a market or a subset of clients that they don't have. Um, so we're looking for that um, industry-specific niche um, that gives the business, the business a good reason to exist. And do you reach out beyond... Rockpool as an organisation to give you a, a background opinion or a background view of the sector within which the client organisation is operating? Yeah, we independently reference every single business that we invest in. Um, we have, I suppose, the way that Rockpool is set up, we are funded from a network of high net worth investors and family offices. <laughs> and that gives us quite a unique opportunity in the market, actually, of being able to access people who generally have some sort of industry experience. So we can generally, through our network, find somebody who has worked in the industry mm. and from the network of our network as well, we tend to be able to get to senior executives, board-level people at comparable okay. companies where we can you know, reference the quality of the business before we invest. Okay, okay. and that's important because, as you've already said, you're not the operator, so you, you don't have a desire to go and run that business. You want to collaborate with and support the owners. On yeah, that exactly. And I think external perception of the business is something that you can rarely change. When, mm. Once a business has got a reputation and a culture in the market, it's it's difficult for an investor to move the dial on that. So we do look to get to people who know the industry and know the business to work out whether it's a respected company before we invest. Okay. And that, that is a difficult thing to assess from an investor's point of view when you aren't a market specialist. No, I, I I get it, I get it, and and that would that would factor into the work that you do. Again, leaping around a little bit, but as the transaction with with our clients with ERA progress, one of the things you helped them with was the search for a chairperson, a chairman, chairperson, uh, to help them to support them on the next stage of that journey. So that research informs that conversation as well. Yeah, it does, and I think the the best chairmen or chair chairwomen have. Um, a mix of industry experience, but also experience of scaling and selling businesses. Um, and almost all of the companies that we invest in have strong leaders within the executive team, but tend to have either no exec- no, no non-executive directors mm. or have had a fleeting experience in the past. Um, it's it's lonely at the top sometimes in, mm. in SMEs, and it's helpful for those execs to have somebody else around the table that they can bounce ideas off, so industry experience is relevant. Um, but we always say at Rockport, it's it's situation over sector, yeah. um, because whilst industry experience is helpful for kind of day-to-day operational stuff, the, the best chairs in our experience are people who have had similar situational experience around growing a business organically and entering a different market, growing a business through M&A, um, exiting a business and dealing with all the emotions and the, the difficult negotiations that happen around the exit process, getting those individuals around the board table early mm. in our experiences is, is a huge value creator for aligning the company around what the strategy is. But, but again, referring back to the collaborative approach that I saw with Rockpool, you didn't impose that chairperson on the business. No. Mark and Sean identi- already knew, they'd already identified, they needed that additional input for somebody with it. But it was a collaborative process. Talk about that, if, yeah, if you can, We please. never impose chairs on our investing companies. It's not the right um, attitude to take, in our view. It's somebody that we've got to work with three to five years through an investment process it's critical that the chief executive and the finance director of those businesses feel like they want to pick the phone up to that individual Mm. and if they feel that we have imposed that person onto the board 
they can be viewed as our guy yeah. ultimately okay. and we we want the executive management team there to feel like they've got a relationship with the chair that they can bounce ideas off almost before it gets to the investor okay um bad news is coming how do we manage the message on this that you know that those kind of things um it's helpful for those executive management teams to have that sort of relationship and it doesn't feel imposed from us. And if so it's, it's a collaborative interview process. Yeah, if I remember correctly, there were there were a collection of names that would have come both from our, from our clients, from Rockpool, there were separate conversations took place and, and then a collaborative discussion yeah. around who would be who would be, be who who would be best for the business effectively in terms of what they were looking to achieve. Sure. Yeah, and I think we were, we were very fortunate in this case that we um, that we knew somebody from our network who has both a really good mix of industry experience, but also situational experience of, of scaling and exiting businesses. If, if I remember as well, on, on a detailed point, again, one of the other things that our experience would suggest business owners don't often do to the to the depth that perhaps a, a more established business might do is look at their their budgeting and their forecasting and their analytics in terms of where they go and so somebody that's not with us today is toby so toby hurdle one of your colleagues on the team there that did some very granular work with our clients to look at both their current numbers in terms of where but also to try to help them understand what the financial numbers would look like if you work together and were successful in bringing this future state, future vision for the business. Like, talk about that a bit if you can. Yeah, please. I think it goes to the collaborative approach that we'd like to take through an investment process. And you see several private equity firms that once you've agreed a deal will impose a set of advisors on management teams, huge list of diligence questions to go through and they get the kind of kind of wait for the response. Um, we, we take a slightly different approach, which is we work with the management teams mm. of the companies that we're investing in during that diligence process to agree what the business plan ultimately is. Because mm. it's, be, it's got to be their plan. Yeah. It's got to be the management yeah. team's plan. But we can help influence and shape that um, during the process to make sure that we're all aligned before the capital goes into the business. Mm. Um, so, you know, we spend time on site, days, weeks on site, working with management teams to, to understand where the opportunities are in the business. And that gives us a better feeling for where the risks and where the opportunities are before we invest. And that was, again, I remember specifically, that was really iterative. So, you know, there were a set of numbers that were produced that were discussed. The parties went away and looked at them. There was some challenge. There was some debate, some further search. I remember Tony was, Toby was quite specific in terms of some of the areas he wanted to explore in very granular detail to think about what the opportunity might be, but very constructive in terms of how it worked. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we've got to understand the business before we invest. And, you know, it was refreshing, you know, with um, with the team at ERA when they came to us. I think they were very well prepared for what a transaction process would look like. And nine times out of ten, we're speaking to businesses that aren't quite prepared for that journey. Mm. And there is a big risk of animosity and hostility during that DD process there where teams feel that we're imposing... Um, you know, and in order to matter questions mm. there to make sure that we understand the company before we invest. And the, you know, the refreshing thing about Sean and Mark's approach to that um, due diligence exercise was they saw value in that too. Mm. It's, you know, it's rare that you get the opportunity from somebody who is um, an external party who's going to spend you know, all of their working week trying to understand the business. Mm. Um, so it's refreshing to, to, you know, to see the guys kind of relish that opportunity to really question you know, are we doing the right thing here? Have we exploited mm. that opportunity? Is the pricing right? Is mm. our gross margin strategy correct? Mm. Those kind of things are really valuable to actually take a step back from the day to day and think about it in more detail. It's a it's a really interesting spin, really interesting 
interpretation, better word, that you put on the due diligence process there as well. Because again, received wisdom would be a private equity firm, a financial investor will get to due diligence and then they'll arrive and they'll start to find fault in the business. And their one purpose in being in life will be to chip the price down and reduce the amount they're going to invest in the business. Now, again, you and I can talk to that with a smile in terms of some of the challenges we had to work on but that wasn't our experience was it of in terms of both what was asked what was understood and how it worked talk about your approach to that yeah our due diligence process is focused on the future rather than the past i mean it's it's pretty straightforward to get to making sure the numbers are accurate within a week or two's worth of work and once that's done you know it's called it's called a red flag report Mm. That's delivered by the accounting team pretty quickly, mm. and we move on to think about what the business plan and what the future looks like. There's no use us spending time weeks and weeks and weeks understanding how the business traded three years ago. It's mm. you know it's old news. It's mm. we we want to understand where the opportunities are and where we can invest to help capitalize on that growth. And that that's why I think it's it's helpful to have that collaboration with the management team during that process and not impose external advisors on them right from the start because they see the value going through that exercise as well. No, I, I, I agree. And if I think of some of the difficult conversations we might have had where either something wasn't understood fully or, or, or something that was understood, people were quizzical over. What I don't remember at any point in time was a one-sided debate where essentially Rockpool have said, therefore thou shalt do. What I remember was conversations. I remember you and I talking actually um, offline almost on occasions around a particular point where there was a sticking point where the parties aren't agreeing. So I remember us talking about, okay, so let's think about it from their perspective. Let's sit in their chair in terms of where there might be. How important is it? How do you go about resolving those things where there is something that needs to be to be worked through, let's call it? Yeah, I think it's just having a pragmatic investment approach. And, good, and, good word. And, yeah. and it's, and it's realising that investing in this part of the market, the, the companies that are coming up for sale um, of the scale that we invest in, companies typically turning over between five and 25 million pounds at the point of investment they're rarely perfectly formed assets you know there, there are risks in these businesses when you invest and i think our our approach through the diligence process is understanding and pricing those risks appropriately mm. but recognizing they exist mm. um, and working with the team to mitigate them going forward i think mm. you know it's it's not helpful when you're going through what's quite a stressful period for the management team there to be overbearing to be um unreasonable when when things come out of the due diligence process that you know neither side necessarily expected um stuff like this happens in businesses up and down the country mm. i think you know having having gone through a number of deal processes now we we factor that in at the start yeah, um, yeah. and when we're you know when we're making offers and we're and we're pricing businesses um before diligence has started mm. we understand that things may crop up in that process that throws um throws the process off course slightly and we can be reasonable about that when it happens. Pragmatic is a really good word to use because I, I have no doubt that when we talk to clients there are external voices to their organisation that, that will tell them to expect some form of problem or chip as a consequence of due diligence and and actually I believe very firmly what we saw from Rockpool was a pragmatic approach and on occasion if I think of working with my clients on occasions actually as much of the challenge was around what they'd heard externally and needing to manage that expectation rather than necessarily um, resolving the issue with with Rockpool you know there were occasions where you might have seen something that needed to be explained and they jumped to the conclusion oh this is because here it comes yeah 
and I'm not saying it was all straightforward, but actually the reality was what I found was a preparedness to listen, to understand, to find a workaround in terms of what 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 would work now, what maybe might have to come in the future in terms of further transition and change. But it didn't all have to be done on day one to try to make it. No, it doesn't. And, th- and this is why it's unhelpful that the private equity community has that reputation um, in the in the upper mid-market and the, and the large cap deals, which is you know, ruthlessly, very numbers driven, mm. um, that type of attitude to a process, which in our experience isn't how it works in this part of the market. And, you know, it's a small community. If you behave in that way, going through a deal process before you know it, you don't get shown the op- next yeah. good opportunity in six months' time. So mm. we're, we're very mindful of our reputation in the market as well to make sure that we can um, both attract and win the best deals. No, good. Um, so we, we try and take a pragmatic approach um, to the DD process where we can. And, and so we did the transaction, we completed the transaction, and, and I believe my clients were very happy. How's it going now? It's going very well. Yeah, it's going very well. The, um, the management team are enjoying life, I hope. Um, we had our first board meeting the week before last, which has gone well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's lots of opportunity with the business. It's early days, obviously, you know, only two or three months after the, after the acquisition completed. Um, but there's a lot of opportunities in the business, the key... The key for us is working out where the top priorities are really so where resource can be deployed in the most effective area. I think, you know, the um, the risk with these kind of things is that there's so many opportunities, you kind mm-hmm. of run at everything and, and deliver half of what you set out to do. So for us, it's working out where the top two or three opportunities are and really focusing execution on those things. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Again, one of the other things that received wisdom will have is that, you know, you know, the holy grail to a private equity firm is the 100-day plan. And, you know, you have to deliver against that 100-day plan. I do remember us talking about priorities post-completion, but I, but I don't remember an obsessive need to have 10, 20, 30, 40 objectives that must be delivered within that period. No, and I mean, we have got a 100-day plan. <laughs> um, but it's more... I suppose it's more focused on looking at the items that have come out of diligence that perhaps need some work um, and addressing them while it's fresh in everyone's mind. Mm. Okay. You know, we, we don't want to get to the other side of Christmas and not having dealt with the kind of more hygiene factors that will come up again on, in a diligence process when we come and sell the business. So it's, you know, and a lot of the stuff is boring, day-to-day, processy type things, but they need to be done to make sure the business has got a clean bill of health, ultimately, when we're looking for an exit. So, and, and getting them done quickly after the deal generally is the best way, in our view. Good, good. Tom, listen, thank you ever so much. It's been great to have that conversation. If I was going to characterise my experience of working with Rockpool on, on that transaction, I'll ask Sean and Mark to a bit later on in a session that we run with them, but if, if I was going to characterise it, I would talk about collaboration, I would talk about reflection, and I'd talk about pragmatism. Pragmatism. If you were describing Rockpool in just a small handful of words to, to close us off uh, in this session... Do that for me. What words would you choose? Yeah, I, I would say pragmatic, um, aspirational. We, we are looking for these yeah, businesses to grow quickly um, and deliver value for our investors. So we're looking for aspirational teams to back. Um, but we're also looking for stable, well-managed companies um, that have the opportunity to grow, but also protect us on the downside. Um, so, yeah, I, I would describe our approach as pragmatic and collaborative um, through the DD process, and hopefully, um, hopefully, Sean and Mark validate that later. 
I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. And for the avoidance of any doubt whatsoever, we would be delighted to work with you again on another transaction. It's good to meet that pragmatic approach and and work with an organisation that we know are genuinely wanting to partner with our clients to deliver the outcome. Tom, thank you very much indeed. Really enjoyed that. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Evolution CBS podcast. You can follow us on LinkedIn and visit our website, www.evolutioncbs.co.uk, where you can subscribe to our email newsletter, get further details of our transactions, read the blogs we regularly publish, and learn about the free business owner masterclasses that we run in London and elsewhere in England. Thanks again.